beautiful message. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, you celebrated a birthday this past you this past week. On October 9th, we started way back in 1881. You look pretty good for 133. I mean, you get along, you move, and, and you're vibrant, and my goodness, everything's going well. So great to see you this morning, Columbus Day weekend. We're going to start with prayer, and the prayer we're going to start with, actually, we're talking about prayer today. And so it just seemed appropriate to pray a prayer that has literally been prayed for centuries uh, all around the world, in every language, among all kinds of people who have loved and followed Jesus. You may have memorized this prayer at some point in your life and have prayed it routinely. And so when we join together to pray this prayer these days, sometimes it's a little tough because we tend to throw in sins or trespasses or debts or whatever words. And so we try to come together and, and come with a version that, that we can all unite together with one heart, one voice. Maybe this is a version you prayed in the past. There's a line in there that, that kind of plays with your mind a little bit. Instead of... Um, Lead us not into temptation. It says, save us from the time of trial. So just flow with this. If you kick into the words you're used to, that's okay too. Remember, we're praying to God, not to each other. So let's pray these words reverently and meaningfully. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let's stand and sing to God.
serve a holy God and a very loving God, don't we? But without Christ's blood, we would never be worthy enough to come into the presence of our Heavenly Father.
with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Paul wrote, 
can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. separate us from God's love. Let's sing how deep, how wide. words, Jesus, we lift them up to you now. We are grateful that we have a Savior who loved us enough to die for us. You gave your life for us. How can we ignore that? How can we turn our backs on that? How can we ever forget that? 
every moment of our day should be filled with just overwhelming gratitude that someone would love us that much. Thank you, Jesus, so much. Amen. You can have a seat. So today we're talking about um, praying, praying together, praying as a group, praying as a church. And as we do, uh, I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 4. Great passage. Great passage in which the church prayed together and some fantastic things happened. The passage actually starts out with um, a couple of the disciples who are in a little bit of trouble with the Sanhedrin. They're standing there. They're being accused of preaching this gospel and basically messing up all of Jerusalem. And they need to stop. And some classic Beautiful verses come out of this passage. Peter's saying, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Sanhedrin looking at these disciples and saying, they took note that these were ordinary men who had been with Jesus. I mean, that thought that Jesus' presence had radically changed them. And then toward the end of that passage, we have these two guys who are told, if you'll just stop preaching, all will be good. And they say what? We must obey God rather than men. You will not silence us. We would quicker die than stop telling people about Jesus. And then the passage turns. Brian's going to be reading this part of the passage to us. The passage turns, they go back to the church and they report what happens. And what happened in that moment is a prayer meeting breaks out. They just start to pray together beautiful, wonderful prayer. And there's some fantastic results that come from that prayer. After Brian's done reading, uh, music is going to start and our servers are going to come and give us communion. A tray will come to you with bread in the middle and the cup on the side. And, And as you do, I want you to just spend time again reflecting on all we've sung up until now. This amazing Jesus who died for our sins so that we could have eternal life, knowing that there is salvation in no one under heaven but Jesus alone. All right, so again, we're in chapter 4, starting with verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke long ago about the Holy Spirit through our ancestor King David, your servant, saying, Why did the nations rage? Why did the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. This is what has happened here in this city. For Herod, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, And the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. In fact, everything they did occurred according to your eternal will and plan. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached God's message with boldness.
Lord God, we join with the people of the book of Acts in praying the words, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You created all things, and yet you take the time for us. You know us by name. You count the hairs on our heads. You're intimately acquainted with every detail of our lives. And you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. Thank you for that amazing, infinite, wonderful, and experienceable love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're down to 11 weeks. 11 weeks before we're going to open some doors. Doors that I understand are going to be put in this week. So the doors will finally be in and we'll be able to walk through. And that'll be great. And um, we're 11 weeks away from moving in, and we've been taking the time on Sunday mornings to kind of just get ready for that, to, get, to make sure that we're in a good place, uh, looking once again at, at the things we claim to value as a church. It's one thing to claim to value something, it's another thing to do it. And so we're talking about the things that we say, this is who we are, this is what it means to be Southfield, and at the same time, taking some time to examine. It's one thing to say it, but do our behaviors match what we say we're all about? So we've been looking at the behaviors and the the actions of our church that we stand for, for biblical teaching, for spiritual friendships, and we're going to actually skip the next one, not because it's not important, but because we want to go to the the fourth one in order to prepare us for this week and what we're going to do next week as well, and then we'll go back to the third one uh, after that. The fourth one talks about, we believe in prevailing prayer. We believe in prevailing prayer. Prayer is very important to us. We believe in prayer. We believe that God works in conjunction with our prayers. We believe that our prayers serve a purpose in the plan of God. And it's a purpose that we don't always fully grasp. We don't always fully understand how our prayers work. But what we know is that God wants us to pray. And he uses them to fulfill his purposes. Now along with that word prayer, we use the word prevailing. Prevailing means to keep at it, to not stop. There, there's an old um, Pentecostal phrase. They talked about praying through, praying it through, making sure that, that you don't just pray once and you're done, but you pray and you pray and you pray, expecting God to answer. So, you know, I don't know about you. I've got kids and there were times in, in, the, in the lifetime of each of my children that they claimed to want something really badly. They had to have it or they were going to die. You know, that kind of, I've got to have this thing. And you'd ask them about it two days later and they'd be like, what are you talking about? They had already moved on to some other new toy or thing that they had to have or they were going to die then. Sometimes that's the way we are in prayer, right? We come to God and we're coming with such sincerity. And two days later, if God were to ask, so where are we on that? We'd be like, I forgot. Yeah, I guess that's still important, but but I've moved on to other things. Prevailing prayer expresses a degree of, of sincerity and deep desire. God, this is, this is something that we really believe you want to see happen, and we want to cooperate with you uh, in this particular action. So all of these values that we have, as we've seen, flow from that early church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We've already looked at what it meant to be devoted. And in this particular case, they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, I pointed out last week that... For some reason, the New Living Translation, the NIV, and a couple of others have decided to interpret that, to translate that word prayer. When in fact, if you go back to the original, it's actually a plural word used there. It says they devoted themselves to the prayers. 
Some people believe that that is a devotion to uh, hourly prayers that the church prayed, to prayers that, that came out of part of their Jewish heritage. Uh, whatever it might be, what we have there is a plural action, an action of people praying together. And we see throughout Acts that people took time not to just pray by themselves in their closet, not to just pray alone, but as a gathered church, even as we saw in Acts 4, as a gathered church to pray until the very foundations of the place that they met were shaken. So we're not skipping a question today. You wondered if you got away with that one. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to give you a little warming, warm up. So here's your question for today. Uh, for this one, you probably want two or three people with you on it. And I suspect because we're only going to give you 45 seconds, we won't get a lot of time for everybody to share. So hopefully there's one person in your group that loves to talk and you can sit and listen or see the way this works out. But the question is pretty simple. Why do you pray? Why do we pray? What's your motivation? What are you expecting to happen when you pray? So you can handle this one of two ways. You can answer it personally and vulnerably, or you can do one of those, I have a friend who, and you can talk about them, whatever. But but what's the main motivation, two or three, behind your prayers, okay? The counter is starting. Go. All right, you probably need a whole small group session for that one. And we're not going to take the time to unpack everything you said, because honestly, we'd probably take about 30 minutes to talk about it. Um, some people, the reason they pray, it just makes them feel closer to God. It's, they spend that time in God's presence. I suspect that if we were to survey the room, a lot of the answers would come down to something like this. Prayer is about bringing my requests to God. It's about bringing to God my heartache and my pain, my joy, bringing my friends' requests, and praying there in the presence of God. We understand that prayer, in its most simple definition, is communication with God. We get the opportunity to talk to the king of the universe. And we get to the opportunity to hear from the king of the universe. There's communication going on between us and our almighty heavenly father. And that's pretty amazing. Now, you know, I've been around a bit, and I've, through the years, done a fair share of praying. And I think I've been growing some of my understanding of prayer, I hope at least. Different things are kind of emerging as I I take further and further uh, steps in my spiritual walk. And I think one of the things that's becoming more and more clear to me is that prayer is not primarily about getting answers. It's not primarily about kind of, you know, uh, December 1st, mailing my letter to Santa in hopes that I get my Tonka truck. It's not primarily about, God, here are the things you need to do today, fix my universe. 
And I know that kind of that kind of counters a lot of what we believe about prayer. We believe that we're coming to God to say, God, fix this. God, do this. God, change this. God, help me with this. But I don't know. I think there's something subtler going on with prayer. And I'm not being defeatist in this. I'm not kind of giving up as if I've tried and it didn't work. And so I've got to have a different view. I really think this is something that, that God has been moving in me. It's not primarily to get answers. It's not primarily getting things from God. It's really about God's work in me. It's really about God's work in us. That he has something he wants to form in me. He has something he wants to form in us. And when we pray to him, we find that sometimes we get the exact opposite answer of what we're praying for. And God says, and that is what you need, my friend. Now, are you going to cooperate with my plan? Or are you going to still bang your little feet like a two-year-old and insist on your own? So God is forming in something in us as we cooperate with him in the process of prayer. Uh, Brian read this passage from Acts chapter 4, and it teaches us that the, the church prayed together. Now, it's interesting if you read the passage, because it, it's kind of confusing as to how this worked. It says they gathered together in one voice, they prayed. That might leave you the impression that they in unison said this prayer. I'm convinced that there were probably some unison prayers of the church. Early on, they started praying the prayers that Jesus prayed and our Father and those sorts of prayers. When you read this prayer, it doesn't have a beauty and a flow to it. It's hard for me to imagine that this was something that they all just broke into and started to pray together. What we probably have is a leader, a speaker, praying the prayer, and it's talking about the fact that the, the hearts of the people in the room were united with those words. There was a oneness of mind and heart as those words were being prayed. You know, as we pray in church, it is my hope that you're listening to those prayers and your hearts are agreeing with what's going on, that you're not just hearing it as kind of a commercial break before the next thing that happens or a chance to touch, shut our eyes so that we can change computers and you don't notice what's going on. There's something more spiritually significant going on when we pray together. We come together with united hearts as we pray. The part I love about their prayer is that they were including God in the conversation. They were recognizing that there's this heavenly father that's a part of everything they do. He's not just there on special occasions. He's there all the time. They reminded themselves as they were praying of his presence. And I really believe that we, when we look at prayer and what it's all about, that's one of the big whys. We pray to grow in awareness of God's presence with us. Here's the fact. We forget it all the time. We forget God's there. We, we just start plowing through our day and we forget God is present. We just, we forget and we need to spend time in prayer in order to get us back into that mindset that there is a God and he's with me. And so we, we adjust our mentality to that. There's a verse in the Bible. I'm going to leave the ending off. It says where two or three are gathered in my name. How does it end? There I am with them. It doesn't end where two or three are gathered in my name. They are guaranteed answers to their prayers. Where two or three are gathered in my name, they get anything they want. No, there's this promise. I'm present. 
And you'll be aware of my presence as you gather together. It's so important that we remember that. We need these constant reminders of God's active presence with us and in us. True growth in prayer is growing in just this non-stop awareness of God in my life all day long. It's not as if you do your quiet time in the morning, get your 15 minutes done and say, good, God, now I can put him back in his, in his cabinet. I can put him back where he belongs and I can go ahead and live my day. Pray in the morning so that throughout the day, I'm constantly conscious of the presence of God in everything that's going on. Hopefully, everything we've been going through in the process of getting into that building is reminding us not just that we have a great builder or great plans, but that God has really done something here. Not too long ago, in fact, this past week, I was at a, I was at a meeting, uh, a, a camp board meeting, and one of the guys was asked to pray. And he began the prayer by saying, God, please be with us at this meeting. Now, I heard that, and I, you know, I, I don't want you to get paranoid, okay? I don't play theological police when people pray. So it's okay, you can pray in front of me, and I'm not going to dissect. But in this particular moment, I'm thinking about this sermon. I'm like, you know, we don't have to ask God to show up. He's already there. What we need to pray at the beginning of a meeting is, God, remind us that you're here. Because sometimes we don't act like it. Sometimes we act like we've forgotten that God is part of the program. Huge part of why we pray is to say, God, keep us constantly mindful that you are part of what is going on. Why else do we pray? We pray to grow in awareness of God's presence with us. We also pray to grow in alignment with God's purposes for us. There's a tough line in that passage. A tough line that talks about the fact that Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Jews, the Gentiles, all of them conspired together to kill Jesus. And then it goes on to say, which was part of the plan of God. They actually fulfilled the purposes of God. And we look at that and go, wait a second. It was God's intention for something horrible and brutal to happen to his son? You see, we really believe that God sits in heaven and all he ever wants to happen to us is happy and sunshine. If God really loved you, it would never rain out. If God really loved you, you'd never get a sniffle. If God really loved you, everything would go perfect and okay all the time. And a huge part, a huge part of understanding prayer is to start to understand that God has a plan and a purpose that's being worked out. And what he wants to do is align our hearts with his plan and his purposes. I got to tell you, when we set out on this journey six years ago, 2008, this was not the plan I had. This was not the way it was going to work out in the neat little notebook that Dennis wrote. And so the question is, do I keep shoving the notebook in God's face and saying, you forgot the plan? Or do I turn and say, God, you had a plan greater than anyone that we could have made up. And you actually accomplished some purposes that we never could have dreamed. But it's your plan. It's your work. It's you at work with us, not, not us. Now, this really conflicts with some of our views of prayer. Because most of us, when it comes to prayer, come down to, God, life stinks right now, and you need to fix it. Instead of, God, life stinks right now. What are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to grow me? What is it I'm supposed to be getting from this particular moment in my life? When we're truly growing in prayer, our hearts are growing in alignment with God's purposes for us. 
There's another thing that happens. When we, when we pray, we start to grow in appreciation of God's power working through us. And this part's pretty amazing. So I, I got to tell you this story. Last Friday night, for the first time in, in umpteen years, Joliet West was allowed to have a home football game on a Friday night. I mean, the movie is Friday Night Lights, right? Not Saturday afternoon stands. It's, it's Friday night. That's when football's supposed to happen. And for the first time in years, this gang was able to have a home game. Midweek, they sell out all the tickets. Coaches, everybody knows this place is going to be packed. They're coming up against an opponent that they're pretty sure they're going to beat. No, they kicked them up one end of the field and down the other. And by the time the night was done, everybody was just absolutely riding high. I got to tell you, football under lights with a few thousand people is a lot more fun than watching a team by yourself in the stands. Even if the score ends up being 100 to nothing, you kind of go, woo, it's hard to do the way by yourself. You know, woo, okay, that's done. The, the fun comes when you're with other people and it's happening together. I'll tell you what, the fun comes when God answers prayers with us together. Isn't it amazing? I mean, the Bible talks about the fact that when these people prayed, the foundations of where they met shook. They shook as the Spirit filled them. We've had those shaking moments, so to speak, just in the building alone. When we're spending a season of prayer and we come to a business meeting and unanimously the place says, yes, let's go ahead and build. That just doesn't happen. A little bit later, we start on this 11-week challenge and we start praying and we end up collecting the largest offering, single one-time offering ever in the history of the church. And I'll tell you what, there was something about that morning that we're all looking around, walking around going, this is cool. Now, I guess it would have been fun to do that by ourselves. But it is so fun to share an answer to prayer with a group of people and to experience God's power in that way as he flows through us. We grow in awareness of God's presence with us when we pray. We grow in alignment with God's purposes when we pray. And we grow in appreciation of God's power working in us when we pray. We pray. Not just individuals on their own, but when we truly get together and pray together. I, I want to show you a video clip. Friends sent this to me, and uh, I've been moved by it ever since I watched it the first time. It's a challenge by a pastor who pastors a church a little bit north of here. His name is Bill. And um, he's talking about uh, a guy in his church who finally bought into the fact that he needs to pray. And I hope that this will really, I'll tell you what, I'm going to post it later so you can watch it again. Because it just, it absolutely draws out in you a desire that is deep in your heart that God wants to pour some gas on and just bring into full flame. As you're watching this clip, would you take the time to listen for just even the themes we've talked about all this already this morning? The themes of how prayer makes us aware of the presence of God and the legacy that we can have when not only we as individuals, but when we as a church choose to be a place that prays. An advertising executive came down to talk to me after a service and he had just become a Christian. I had, I had baptized him at the church and so, and uh, he said, I, I just can't make time for a meeting with God. He said, you have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day and 
You live in a different world. I, I can't, I just can't fit it, fit that kind of thing into my life. And I remember looking at this young guy, hard charging young guy. And, and I said, here's my experience. And I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old. So there it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later. And when he came down to talk to me, he, his countenance was different. He felt different. His conversation was different. And he invited Lynn and me. He and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner. So we accepted. He lived right in the area. And so we go over to their house... And uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, you know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time? He said, I, I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here. And I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I, I just bought this chair and I put it in the, at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair. I have a cup of coffee. And he goes, I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee. He was a morning guy, and he fell into this pattern. Many months later, uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, well, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while and, and uh, maybe if the church grows... You know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will. And came back about a month later and he said, you know, I gave notice at, at work. And if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. You pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff and I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church and was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church.
Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I, I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life in my meetings with God. And he said, a friend of mine starting a brand new church in Colorado. And I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, you, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So we said goodbye to him and he packed his family up and he went out and he went back into advertising, made a lot of money and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working and he kept supporting that church. And uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast-spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized. And one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter, and I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral reception afterwards. I said, that was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, his whole life changed in that chair. I said, what are you going to do with the chair? And she said, we are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on His Word and open yourself to His power? Where, where do you become aware of His presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. It, the thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with Him anywhere. Your chair can be anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side, uh, we rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times. And so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. To this day when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck, brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck, absorbs the Word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God, to God, asks for direction in his life. 
A young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can. Corner table, meets with God. Where's your chair? When you meet with a friend, let's say for a lunch, what happens is if you've connected with that friend, after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is, you think about that friend later on in the afternoon. When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair? There is so much to unpack here, and we just don't have the time. Again, I'm going to post it so you can go ahead and watch it again. Now, the idea on this isn't just to have a a run on rockers at the Joliet Mall or something like that, but to really think through that idea of where do I spend time daily in the presence of God, and where do we as a church spend time? You know, I was thinking about this whole thing. I love the part where basically this, this rocker is being handed down as a legacy to be reminded that this is who dad was and this is who grandpa was. And I was thinking about that and I, and I, I couldn't help but go back to this, you know, to think about the fact that what has our whole journey been about? These chairs. We call them our prayer chairs. A place that we went to meet with God to ask him, should we build? A place that we meant, went to meet with God to say, what should we give? And ironically, we're at ele- week 11 once again. We had an 11-week challenge. And I want to just, I want to kind of revive this 11-week challenge again and ask you, in the next 11 weeks, would you spend time praying, praying hard about what's about to happen to us, to our community? Just when a pair of doors come open, maybe you'll actually trek over and spend some time. The chairs are still there. We've encouraged you to stay away from the property because of all the construction, but it's paved now, okay? It's, it's ready to go. If you can, go later in the evening when the construction guys are gone, and, but go over and sit in the chairs. Pray about what's going to happen when those doors open. Pray about the part you're going to play in the future that's about to take place. Uh, maybe you don't want to leave your car. There are still a couple mosquitoes out there until the frost finally takes them away. But maybe just like he talked about, you can just pull up your car and sit in the front seat once a week and just pray. Pray about what God's going to do in that place. But i tell you what, what I love, not just this image, but the reality of those chairs sitting over there, that we're able to have this legacy that we can hand to our kids, that we can take them back. And as those chairs continue to age, we can point at those and say, this is a place that our church meets with God. And God's answered some incredible prayers in this place. And he's helped us be aware of his presence and to come in alignment with his plan and what he desired. And we saw the power of God at work in this place. So I'll tell you what, a lot of great stuff going on. Painting is going on. Carpet's going to go in soon. Doors are going to go up. Equipment is going to be moved in. And it's only a building. It's only a building if this is not a spiritual venture. It's only a building if our hearts are not fully engaged in prayer to our creator, God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to collect the offering right now. And as we do, I want to talk to you about uh, a prayer event that we're going to take part in next week. I know sometimes when we talk about group prayer, I grew up in a church that had 
Wednesday night prayer meeting and you'd gather together for the sake of praying together out loud. And for some of you, praying out loud in front of another person, you know, you'd rather run bamboo up under your nails. It's just like it's terrifying to you. You can't imagine doing that. And so, and so through the years, we've tried to come up with creative ways to pray together as a church. You can come now and collect the offering. Thanks. And, and what we're going to do next week is actually head on over uh, to this place. We're going to head on over to this place that will soon be our home. Like I said, paving has taken place this week, and it looks beautiful. You finally drive in nice and smooth. You're not squashing Shanahan potatoes as you go. Trees are going in, and the view from the building on out is just absolutely incredible. As you see, I mean, you can kind of imagine these trees 10, 15 years from now as they grow, fill in, and take shape, and, and just look absolutely beautiful. But, but here's the view I want you to have next week. I want you to be able to stand inside the front door. I want you to be able to come on in and spend some time where we're going to finally set up our home. And we're going to do some praying in there. And the praying that we're going to do is on the floor. We're just going to pray all over the floor. We're going to grab Sharpies and we are going to just write prayers all over the floor to God. Prayers that will soon be covered by, by carpet and tile, but it's amazing with God. He's got like Superman eyes. He can see through anything. And those prayers will be lifted up to him for months, years, and decades to come as he looks down at our church and sees under our carpet and sees the prayers that we lift up to him. I want to encourage you to make this a real spiritual experience for your family. Take some time this week, perhaps, to just craft the prayer that you want to write as a family. You can do more than one. We have lots of floor. There's just lots of floor. So you can write in every room if you want a different prayer for everything that's going on. But the logistics of this will be a little interesting. Here's how we want to handle this. So we thought about, do we do this later in the week? Do we do it at another time? We gather on Sunday. And, and praying on Sunday is a good thing to do. So the way we're going to handle this is we'll have both of our normal services. You'll come to your normal service. So in case you don't know, you came at 930 today. You'll come to your service. You'll drop off your kids and do all the normal stuff that you do. And about 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, after we've done some things in here getting prepared, we're going to head on over to the building write our prayers all over the place. We're actually having a creative way to do communion over there, just some cool stuff. And then we'll come back in time to pick up the kids and head on our way. We've written a lot of the details on your folder today. So make sure you read through those. But here's what you need to know, just so that you understand where we're coming from and why we're doing this this way. The builder, as well as our insurance company, aren't real crazy about us going in this building. You know, they they would like us to wait until everything is perfect and smooth and clean and all that sort of stuff. So what what we've assured them is the littlest of kids we'll make sure are taken care of somewhere else. So our littlest kids will be taken care of here. Um, And then for the second service, for example, uh, big kids will be offered, junior high will be offered. So a lot of our Big kids and junior high kids are in this service. Rather than going over twice, they'll be able to go ahead and participate in their normal activity during the second service. So we'll head over as a group. You can take the members of the family that you want, but the littlest kids, we're asking that you either leave them here or, you know, this may sound a little harsh, but at least stay outside. Don't bring the littlest kids on in. And that'll just, that'll help our builder and our insurance company to not have their blood pressure spike. Does that make sense? Are you cool with that? Are you okay? You're breathing. You're not getting too tense. Your kids will be very safe. They are every week. We have these neat little things called cell phones. 
and they'll have one. And if your child needs you at all, they'll go ahead and make a call on over. It's a whopping two-and-a-half-minute drive back. You can drive back faster than you can walk from this room to the room. Okay, you can, you can get there quickly in order to get back to your kids. So they'll be cared for, and they'll do really great. But that's the plan. So next week we'll come. We'll write all over the prayer floor, write those prayers to God. Let me give you a couple other things. Some of you still choose to dress nicely for church. If you do next week, you'll have really dirty pants. Or really dirty knees if you choose to go skirt. So, they, you know, there's still drywall dust around and all that sort of thing. So you want to wear something that you don't mind getting a little messy. Unless you can figure out a way to write <clears throat> without getting on your knees. I don't know. Maybe you just send your family member there and that's the way you deal with it. Whatever it is. But um, it's just going to be a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to express to God uh, our hearts. And it's going to be great for you to be able to see. This is the last time you're going to peek at this thing until Christmas Eve. And I think for those of you that haven't been in there in a while, you are going to be stunned. You are just going to be absolutely blown away at the progress. One thing you're going to be asking is, why aren't we moving in next week? Because it's looking really, really done. I mean, it's just making great progress, great strides. So does that all make sense? So here's what I'm going to do. I, inevitably, this leads to, uh, to confusion. I don't normally do this on a Sunday morning, but do you have any questions that you care to voice right now? All right, everybody's perfectly clear. That's wonderful. I'll take it that way. Everybody knows everything that's going on. Having said that, you'll probably receive an email about every day this week just to make sure that you're clued in on all the details. We're going to have a great time celebrating the presence and power of God and his plan next week as we gather together to pray. So let's stand and talk to God before we leave. Now, Father in heaven, I thank you that you've brought us to a place at a church that we have a high value of prayer. I pray that it would not just be something that we would claim, but it's something that we would do. I pray that it wouldn't just be chairs sitting on a piece of property, but people sitting in those chairs, lifting up prayers to God on behalf of our our church, our community, lost people. God, I pray that next week would be a meaningful event as we get the opportunity not only to see our new home, but then to be able to express all over the floor the prayers and desires we have for you to use this place and use us in this place to fulfill your purposes, to be the visible presence of you, of Jesus, in this world to our community. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and... Oh, wait a second. You can't leave yet. Boom. There you go. Last week of double digits next week, folks. Here we go. See you later. Enjoy your week.